Can I go? Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Hi guys, welcome back to Wildest Kruger Stories. I'm Craig. And I'm Carolina. And for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, it's this is a podcast series where we're covering conservation, wildlife photography, and some pretty cool stories along the way. Yes, and we've got some cool stories coming in this podcast. Today. Yeah, we just I th- we were chatting the other day about what we're going to chat about in our uh, in the potential next episode of Wildest Kruger Stories, and we feel that we've just been chatting quite a lot about um, other things. Like route plans, camera equipment, and with the how important that is, obviously that is super, super important for a safari experience. We just felt that like we had kind of neglected wildlife for a while, <laughs> and uh, we thought we'd take it back to the roots, and we thought like we would have an episode dedicated to stories of the Kruger, whether it crazy sightings and just some crazy cool stuff that's happened over the last couple of well, our careers as a whole. Yeah, I think uh, you all know that we do go from like one topic to another and we, we try to keep it, you know, kind of like Craig said now in the in the little intro, uh, you know, wildlife and safari orientated. Like, I think safari is the like umbrella word for it that kind of covers all of it because it all kind of connects back to, to that and it's yeah. all, you know, tourism and whatever. Anyway, I'm rambling on. You all know that. Uh, but we just felt like lately we haven't spoken that much about like wildlife and that is i think what all of us enjoy the most and are most passionate about so we thought this episode we want to talk about our most memorable sightings ever yeah you know stuff that sticks with you um throughout your career and potentially through your entire life and i think like some of these stories that you're going to hear, especially from my side. Now, what I want you guys to know is we haven't actually discussed the stories we're going to tell. No. Um, so we can have this like natural, oh my word, wow feel uh, behind it. So I think we know most of the stories. We do know most already. of the stories, but I do have a few that I think might wow you. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Um, I unfortunately so, yeah. don't think I have because you're there for most of them. Well, I also like, I mean, we've been together six years. My career has been 12 uh so like you've only you, been there half of my career what are you talking about did you have a life before i came along yeah no exactly <laughs> i was i lived under a rock before you came along but yeah that's kind of and uh obviously with me being in the, being a guide for all those years i've been out in the field for that much more longer than you so i think that i'm uh, I, i've i've kept these stories just for this mm, podcast okay okay interesting um, interesting so and it, you can you can tell me if you've heard it before okay um, no but it's fine but the listeners might not have no exactly the and that's the most important thing none of these stories well i think we have mentioned maybe a few but that's fine i think we can repeat ourselves with these stories because yeah. uh i think some of these are amazing and they're worth mentioning more than once uh so yeah this is all our most memorable sightings through through our career all right so who wants to start how should we how should, should we play rock paper scissors <laughs> let's play rock paper scissors but okay. i play it differently than you do okay well, we'll play it rock, rock paper, paper scissors. scissors ah you win okay <laughs> carolina's gonna go first she's gonna have her first story and just before we start actually i want to say i've been getting quite a few messages from people actually bookings from the podcast um people that want to come on safari with us so it's been amazing uh the support we've been getting and i just thought like in this episode and i've done it before but i want to give a shout out to everyone that that's out there that's like reaching out to us and saying how much they enjoy it and people that are wanting to come on safari with us there i actually got a comment the other day of 
someone that said, uh, I feel like I'm there with you mm. while you're doing the podcast. And that, that's very special to us. And yeah, thanks very much. Guys. It makes like, us a lot, very, yeah, very happy. So yeah, just a shout out to all of you guys for the support. So thank you very much. And I think that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to bring people along as if they were on safari with us. Do you know yeah. I mean? And I think that's what this episode is going to, gonna. we have all these amazing stories and obviously all the episodes out, we're all, we're talking about quite unique things with regards to the safari industry. And I think that, yeah, it's, it's nice to bring people along. Cause the thing is like, these are the conversations that we have with our guests when they're on safari with yeah. us. Yeah. And that's why we started the podcast because we were like, these are stories that people should be hearing, even if they're not able to come on safari with us. Like we want to bring these stories out in the world. And these are the kind of things that we talk to guests about while on safari. Yeah. Like I think people have also asked me before they're like, yeah, but like, uh, are you different with guests than you are really? And yes, you are. You have to be different with clients and guests. But I mean, when we're on a vehicle, this is what you're kind of getting. Like, oh, for I mean, sure. this is me. For you know, sure. if I'm your, if I'm your guide, like, this is me. Ta-da. <laughs> but yeah, that's, I'm, I'm here. That's what people have been saying as well. Like yeah, some of my guests who have come with me on my workshops and stuff, they're like, it's so great to see that you're the same in person as you are like on social media. And I think both you and I yeah. really try to, to be that way. Yeah. You obviously have, have to be like professional with guests of and course, stuff, but you always want to be personal as well, if that I, makes sense. I think it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a vibe of like, you know, I don't think, especially nowadays with social media being what it is, um, podcasts, you know, getting stuff out into the world is being so is so much easier. I think if you're uh, if you're gonna run a company and you're gonna fake it, people are gonna pick up on that. Oh, they will, um, especially in our industry. Yeah. So, um, good thing we're just this talkative, friendly, chatty people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we're not short of stories and talking. But anyway, let's, anyway, let's we, get we, down we're to derailing. The, but let's yeah. get to the stories. So okay, I'm starting because I won rock paper scissors, and this is I has to be one of the top sightings, yeah ever of my experience like obviously we're going to go through some crazy sightings but i'll start off strong with this one because it was just mind-blowing how this all went down and it went from one crazy thing to the next and you just like how is all of this going can i guess the story you know can i guess the story can i guess the story is it is it lions in the Serengeti? Yes. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Okay, I'm not gonna spoil it, but yeah, yeah, you go. That is crazy. That, that is was crazy. it was it was yeah. absolutely insane. So um to give you guys the like set the scene, uh this was in Serengeti last year, November, on my workshop. Uh when I was taking we I had four guests with me. We were going out in Serengeti and I was teaching them photography, that's what I do. Uh I've got one, just a little plug, I've got <laughs> space on my workshop to Serengeti for next year. Uh it's from uh, the 26th of July to 2nd of August. So Which is you, really cool. Sorry yeah. to interrupt, because it's during the crossing, the migration crossing. Yes. So which that is, is amazing. Yeah. So that is what we're hoping to see at uh, the uh, wilderness migration cross the Mara River. So that is what I'm doing for August, um, beginning of August next year. So if you're interested to join me, please reach out because I do have space still. Uh, but anyway, this workshop was in November last year and we were in Serengeti and Serengeti is a magical place like you literally don't know what happens around the next corner I guess like same with Kruger I guess but um Serengeti is is magical and 
we were out driving. We had already had a really nice morning game drive. And I think this was maybe like 10 o'clock or something. So it was, it was really starting to get warm. And like Serengeti gets crazy hot. Uh, so it, w- it was already very warm. And we weren't expecting to see much more. And if we were to see something, we were expecting it to be like sleeping under a tree. Because it's hot, you know. And the animals want to be in the shade. And then we came across and uh, we spotted the one lion first, male lion. It was two male lions in the sighting at first. And we spotted the first male lion who was lying quite close to the road. And then there was a second male lion further in by uh, a tree lying in the shade sleeping. And, and we were with the first lion for a bit because we were expecting him to possibly be moving into the shade to his, what we were assuming was his brother um, because it was getting hot. But then, as we're watching him, our guide is like, guys, there's a buffalo over there. And he saw this buffalo a little bit further down. Maybe at this point, it was maybe 100 meters away. And further down the road, this lone buffalo calf. uh, uh, Sorry, cow. Lone buffalo cow that was just standing in the open uh, plains. And the lion who was in further back in the shade of the tree he was standing up and he was like watching this buffalo and he was really taking interest in the buffalo and you know in general you don't really expect lions to be going for anything in this heat of the day because it's hot and whatever and it's also like it's open there's not much for them to hide behind the buffalo is very far away so the chances of the buffalo seeing them before they get there are very big but our guide was looking in the binoculars and he's like, guys, this buffalo doesn't look healthy. It looks very sick. It's also, it's a cow. She's by herself without the herd, which means she, it's a very big indicator that she's not doing well. She was very skinny. Uh, and he was like, I think there's a chance that they'll be able to take down this buffalo. For those who don't know, like seeing lions take down buffalo is very rare and it takes a lot of skill and that was also why like I didn't have my hopes up in the beginning because mm. I've seen this kind of unfold before <laughs> because it takes a lot of experience for lions to take down a buffalo am I right Craig yeah I think yeah you're you're 100% spot on um and like but again everything is working in the lion's favor your guide was amazing picking up that obviously a female buffalo is normally with those massive herds and the fact that she's on her own is immediately a red flag that something is wrong exactly um so opportunistic behavior from the the lion side uh picking up a lone buffalo with two male lions there they're definitely going to think that everything's going in their favor so exactly yeah. but so, again heat of the day plays in <laughs> sometimes yeah, and also really you know, know it being so open they could be spotted before they even get close to her so you know we were all we, we, nothing's guaranteed nothing's ever guaranteed um but anyway again our guide seeing this kind of situation unfold he's like okay let me get you guys into the perfect situation before the action happens you know thinking ahead getting us into the first uh, the, uh, the perfect air photographic precision so we drive to the buffalo and park like we the luckily the road she was quite close to the road so we're able to park on an angle where we watching her and then the lions kind of behind her and we're there perfect precision for this one lion male lion coming slowly stalking up and checking it and she i think he's noticing that she is not really aware of her surroundings like Mm. you could see she was not 100% there again big indication that she was uh, sick and you know 
and, and very vulnerable. So he walks up and without having to really hide much, just comes from the back and we seeing like the buffalo is facing towards us and he is coming from the back and we see him and are able to get photos of him pouncing, jumping on her back. And they spun around, I think, twice. The buffalo, like, you know, spun, tried to get rid of the lion, but then she was down quick. Uh, again, an indicator that she, she was not very healthy. Uh, because taking down a buffalo, as a, even if it's a male lion, you know, it's tough. They're big animals. Yeah it's, a, yeah, it's a difficult task for even a male lion, like especially a singular male lion. Like, you're 100% right. Yeah. Um, so they, he gets her down on the How ground. How long did it take for her to get down? Oh, like 30 seconds. Yeah, you see, like most buffalo fights, even with multiple lions, that buffalo is standing for 15, 20, sometimes 30 minutes. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, so it was quick. She literally like spun around twice. He was hanging on on the back and then she was down. Like, yeah, it was quick, quick. Um, and then she goes down and she dies quite quickly. Like, again, and, then, and I'm sorry if anyone is very like sensitive and, and it's going to get sensitive from here. So if you are, skip ahead. Um, but, you know, she usually with Buffalo, they will be like, what do you call it? Calling for like a very They'll long time. They'll bleat. Yeah, they'll bleat, bleat. That's what it's called. Um, for quite a long time before dying. Before actually dying. But I can't remember. I think it was also like the adrenaline, a lot of things happening, but I can't remember her making much sound. Um, but it was, if, if it was, it was for quite a short period before she actually died. And so he is holding her down and now a female lion comes out and we hadn't seen her before this. So she had probably been like the bushes and stuff where we hadn't been able to see her before. So she comes out now, obviously have seen this commotion and, and comes to, to feed with the male and they start feeding on the buffalo. And, you know, at this point we are like, wow, what did we just witness? Like, this is absolutely crazy to be able to see a lion take down a buffalo and be able to get photos of it, you know, being quite close to the action, it being so open because, you know, there's so many things that can go wrong in a situation when you see something like that. One, just just seeing a kill happen is very, very rare. And if you do see it, it's usually like behind bushes or very far away or whatever it might be. Like here, the stars just aligned and everything worked out to the most insane sighting. So we're all in awe and we're like clicking away photos of these lions eating and, you know, just just insane about this sighting. And then before we know it, the next crazy thing happens and this female pulls out a fetus out of the buffalo <laughs> and walks away with it next to our car. And like that, it. I know some people That's feel like unreal. this is very gruesome and so on, but this is reality. This is it life. It is a gruesome sighting. It is. Know, but it, I mean, yeah, that's just how the natural world works. That's how the natural world works. And it was, it's just, it was just unreal to be able to witness something so rare and so incredible and so raw, you know, f full like circle of life. Um, so that it was absolutely incredible. And the thing is, I think for those who feel like this, sounds a little bit gruesome and so on and I think what helps for me when witnessing these kind of things in nature is that I feel like this buffalo's life is never 
taken in, in vain. You know what I mean? Like nothing in nature dies in vain. If it dies, it ends up feeding the whole yeah. ecosystem and goes back into the whole ecosystem. There's never any like death in, in vain in nature. And yeah. I think that is a beautiful thing. And I think it's a privilege to be able to witness that. No, 100%. As, as gruesome and vulgar as it does seem, um, it's... It, it, that is what happens on a day-to-day basis in nature. It's predators need to eat. Carnivores have to eat. Absolutely. And um, th- this has been happening for many, many years before we even, we, we as people even, even showed up. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Um, so let nature be nature. And if you can document it, amazing. If you don't want to see it, I mean, put a blanket over your head. I mean, like, <laughs> honestly, I mean, it is. I know a lot of some people don't want to see that. But I mean, that is raw nature at its best yeah and it is it is one of those things that a lot of people you know it, it is a once in a lifetime sighting yeah. like i will never i will never witness something like that again in my lifetime yeah. Yeah, no matter how much time i spend in the bush i i am sure of it and and you have to appreciate the rarity in that yeah you know what i mean so yeah that that's probably my top top sighting yeah i'll get to some good ones now as well but uh, now on to yours so I think, like mine, I, I had to give some serious thought to like well, I, I, like a couple of these sightings, and I think the sighting I want to talk about first is something that really fascinated me early in my career. Um, it was also another kill, and don't get me wrong, like kills are not the only things that are amazing. I know I'm talking about a a kill uh, that uh, that I witnessed um, and Carolina <laughs> talking about a kill she witnessed but it's, <laughs> those are not only the most amazing sightings and, and this is not what amazed me from the sighting was um, in the Sabi Sands many many years ago I was very early on in my career and um, we weren't actually on a on a on a usual game drive we were kind of on a on a staff drive um, where we just kind of did a bumble with staff and we had kind of we <laughs> We, we had literally stopped in an open clearing um, where there were patches of longish grass and there was a lone male impala and we didn't take much notice of it. And I started looking over at the impala as he was kind of walking towards us and just not taking a, we were just, we'd stopped having a little chat, an afternoon chat. And um, one of the other staff member actually, actually said, and I mean, we had all noticed the impala, he said, oh, there's, a, there's an impala over there. And we all turned. And as we turned, this, we, we looked at it and we we're like, okay. And out of nowhere, but I'm talking open clearing. Like, we didn't notice a thing. And a leopard jumped out of nowhere from the base of the grass and hit this impala. But we had sat there for at least five, ten minutes chatting and not noticed there was a leopard. And I mean, there was at least three guards on that vehicle. And now people will be like, nah, Craig, you must notice if there's a leopard there. And I just want to give you guys a bit of a, a bit of like kind of understanding as just how camouflage these animals can be. And literally, yes, it was in a, a bit of an area next to a umbrella thorn, which is a, a type of acacia, acacia species. And um, obviously, I think what was happening was the leopard was lying in the shade and then saw the male impala kind of approaching and moved into the grass. Now, the grass was slightly longer. But if anyone has seen a leopard hunt, 
you don't understand how low and flat that cat can go. And I think that's what was happening. So as this impala kind of just approached, la-di-da-di-da, was grazing along, and the leopard just waited and waited. Because like I said, we'd been there for five, ten minutes and seen no movement. So that leopard literally sat in that grassy patch and not moved at all. And as this impala just got closer and closer and closer and closer to the road, and as it as this impala must have been, as we saw it happen, the impala must have been a meter from the leopard. And just all of a sudden, pandemonium, leopard jumped out, hit this impala, down she went. Okay, the leopard lost the kill because as the impala bleated, the hyenas showed up, so... She ended up losing her kill. Oh, the hyenas came as well. Yeah, well, like in the, the Swabi Sand is very high, high predator dense area, and literally, if you're if you're a leopard, and you're not close to a tree, and that animal makes a sound, it's over. Then the hyenas are there. The hyenas are there. There are so 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 many hyenas in the Swabi Sands, and um, yeah, unfortunately, just relaxing in a in an open clearing. Again, pure and utter opportunistic behavior from the cat. Um, not really noticing. It did, okay, look, it did manage to open up the stomach a little bit and the hindquarters, but not not much time. And crazy. the hyenas showed up and there, that was that was done and she moved off. That is crazy. Absolutely crazy. It reminds me of the, on that time, we've also mentioned that on the podcast before, when we stopped because our guest wanted to photograph a hornbill and all oh, of a yeah. sudden a leopard popped up out, out of the grass. Exactly. And I think it just shows you that, like, everyone, like, a lot of people have perceived nature as, like, oh, well, if it's there, if it was there, we would have seen it. Mm-mm. No chance. Especially with those cats. Yeah. Especially with leopard. Um, and, yeah, the fact that you can sit in an area for five, ten minutes and there can be a leopard right in front of you. And if that leopard doesn't move, you will not see it. No, exactly. And that's the thing, like, it's it, the amount of times that we say when we're driving in Kruger, for example, like... You know, imagine how many leopards we've driven yeah, past. Yeah, we joke about it. We're like, how many leopards did we drive Sometimes past? it's just about like, you know, when you're driving, sometimes it's just about looking in the wrong direction at the wrong time. You know, that can be it. Because yeah. we've also been, there's been time when you look at the right in the right direction at the right time and you spot something that you never thought you would spot otherwise. Uh, but then at the same time, it can also be that they're just sleeping, lying flat yeah. in a shady area where like, we just can't see them. And Finding those cats is a skill. Like, absolutely. it is... It is so, so, so difficult, especially when they're on the ground, especially when they're lying down and especially when they're hunting. Yeah, for Cause sure. Because if they're hunting, they do not want to be seen no. by anything. No. So it, it is, yeah, it is an incredible skill to spot that. And the thing is also like, that's why it's so important to tune into like nature and what other animals are seeing Mm. and you know being able to recognize when like monkeys are alarm calling or impalas are alarm calling or even birds and squirrels sometimes because they might have seen something that you can't see yeah for sure so other animals will indicate to you what is exactly happening for example like if if you're in the bush or we're on on a safari and i've got leopard tracks or something and they're heading in a certain direction. And in that direction, you start hearing impala alarm calls. You're like, ooh, could that be there? Or jackal alarm calling. Or even a squirrel. Like a squirrel mm. will alarm call. Um, so you've got to link everything that's happening with your surroundings. Um, you can. It's, it's quite easy once you've spent a bit of time in the bush to actually 
know the sounds yeah. of unhappy animals. But that's the thing. I think we often notice, because as you say, you get tuned into it and you start like recognizing. And I've even noticed myself recognizing calls in Sweden yeah. from birds and squirrels. Um, and the one time like I noticed it and then a domestic cat came out and I was like, okay, wow, I was actually right. Uh, but then obviously it was a domestic cat and not a leopard. But you know what I mean? It was still the same kind of behavior and the same type of alarm calls. But it is important to be tuned into it. And that's why, you know, going with guides that are experienced is so, is so important because we often find that guests, they will maybe hear it once or they will be told that this is something that we listen out for and whatever, but then they don't notice the difference between a like alarm call where like impalas, for example, are like unsure of what they have seen. So they like half alarm calling and they're like, yeah. hmm, is that something? And then they end up being like a warthog yeah. that they think is a leopard to the difference between that and when it's like a full on alarm call, because mm. that difference is very, very big. And if you're not, if you're not used to that and you don't, you're not experienced, you know, with those different sounds, it's very easy to mistake them for each other. Yeah, no, I think it it's, um, it's amazing as to what you can learn um, out in the field and just spending a bit of time uh, there. But enough on that. What's your next story? My next story. Uh, this is a very, definitely a very special moment a very close encounter. Uh, also, again, when you least expect it, that's often the thing. When you least mm. expect something to happen, that's when that's when the magic magic happens. Um, so this was actually when we were working in uh, at one of the lodges uh, in the Kruger National Park. Uh, for those who don't know, we used to work in the lodge industry. Uh, so we used to work in the Greater Kruger National Park before we started our own company uh, and are doing what we're doing now. And uh, at that point, I was uh, front of house and assistant manager of this one lodge. So I spent a lot of time in the office <laughs> and I was doing a lot of planning and I did a lot of, I didn't spend a lot of time out in the bush at all. And if I ever was taking photos and stuff, it was around camp and, you know, that was kind of, kind of it. So uh, this specific day, we didn't have any guests in camp and those were definitely the like admin days. So I was in the office, I think I was probably planning the menu and ordering, you know, uh, grow, like all the goods and everything produce for the lodge and planning for our next guest to arrive and so on. When we get a radio call from our operations managers who were driving up to the sister lodge that was a little bit further away and they were like, we just came across a pack of wild dogs mm. and they are on the move and they are heading towards the lodge towards you guys so keep an eye out if you want to like see wild dogs you know that's the thing we always help each other out like even if you're working and stuff if wildlife comes around like you'll you'll take a moment to stop and, and watch them you you know uh, and i was like that is amazing this could be an opportunity for me to get some cool photos of wild dogs so i ran to our house that was right by the lodge um our staff accommodation there and I grabbed my camera and as I get back the wild dogs are now arriving running on the road down the road yeah I know which road you're talking about yeah, yeah down the road yeah that goes past the lodge and I sit down next to like the entrance of the lodge was um kind of framed by two big uh concrete like rocks, I guess, like to kind of form the entrance of the lodge, if that makes sense. So I sat down behind one of those, obviously, because I didn't want to scare the dogs. 
Uh, and I sat down behind one of those and waited to see if I was able to get some low angle shots of the dogs. And they actually start like coming in into the lodge start trying to like enter the lodge and at this point i'm like oh wait i obviously don't want to disturb the dogs that's why i sat down and behind this uh this concrete block but also i don't want them to enter the lodge because then we might be sitting with a bit of a problem where they might start feeling cornered because there's a lot of people in the lodge and stuff so uh so i stood up and kind of made myself visible so that they would stop uh which they did and it was very very interesting like seeing their behavior and this is the thing with dogs like I wouldn't do this with something like a leopard or a lion because yeah. I, I don't trust them. But dogs aren't really a danger to humans. I think that's very important to mention. that they're... Especially if they don't feel cornered. Exactly. And the, I think that's important to mention with, with this specific sighting so that people understand uh, why I could do what I could do with specifically dogs. So, uh, but they're quite curious uh, and they were like looking at me and it was really, you know, they were like bobbing their heads up and down and like trying to figure out where am I, am I dangerous, uh, like is it fun, what's going on, uh, which was just really incredible to see and being, you know, a couple of meters away from these dogs, uh, maybe like five, ten meters, and it wasn't that close. So, but still, you know, that's very, very close to wild dogs that are such an amazing species to see. Yeah. And yeah, I was able to get some really, really cool shots of them uh, watching me and looking at me. So that that encounter was really, really special and definitely something I'll be remembering for a long time. Yeah, I think dogs, um, dogs on foot are always something special. I think, like you rightfully said, they are an animal that react differently to, to people. Um, and they're very inquisitive, quite similar to hyenas, but not quite to the extent of hyenas. Like hyenas, like come up to people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're they're on a different if, if different you sit, scale. If you sit st- still long enough, yeah, they will they'll, try to they'll grab they'll something. Come and, they'll, they'll come and sniff your feet. Yeah. Uh, don't do that. I mean, no, don't you, do you that. Can get yourself into a really tricky situation. But dogs are dogs are more the if an inquisitive point of view of kind of just figuring out what you're doing and what you are and. It's quite a special sighting to have dogs on foot. Um, but look, you know, if, if there are guides out there listening and you guys ever want to approach dogs on foot, yes, it's it's great. But like as soon as the the animals do show sign of unhappiness with you on foot, like get out of there. Don't put more pressure on them. No, of um, course. But of they course. are one of the animals on foot that are uh, that are that are quite uh, quite cool to come across. No, definitely, really, really cool animals to to encounter on foot. It was a special special sighting for sure. Absolutely. Okay, what's what's your next one? Hmm, I think like from a special like with me being um, like an animal behaviorist and being super into animal behavior, um, I love understanding why animals act the way they do and i think one of the sightings was um in the great kruger and um i was following a um a male leopard again leopard leopard (laughs) Uh, but this was just fascinating to me and um uh, another vehicle had another male leopard and we were on the same channel um, and these two male leopards were walking straight towards each other, but far now, I'm talking kilometers, like maybe one, two kilometers away from each other. Um, and rasping, like territorially calling. And I was like, well, okay, this is now happening. 
this is going to cause chaos. That is going to be a massive fight. Now, th these two males at the time were dominant in different sectors of the reserve. That overlapped slightly, but they were both just as big as each other. They were, it was difficult to tell at the time who was bigger um, between these two. Both beautiful, but both buses. <laughs> like buses. Um, and um, as they cruised, as the, as the evening progressed, and they just got closer and closer, and none of them diverted. And eventually... They popped out at one of our at one of our roads, and my colleague was still on on the sighting with uh, the other male, and they saw each other and kind of hunkered down and stopped and sussed each other out. And they would take a few steps forward, and that's exactly how leopards kind of prepare themselves for going going into a full fight. And we were like, okay, this is we are going to, we are in for something incredible right now, and. What I actually witnessed was better than a fight. Something I don't think I'll ever see in my career again. These leopards slowly came to each other within a meter and were growling. Yeah. Full on growling at each other. Turned to the side of each other, like to show each other, like that's what they do. And they turn their side and raise their shoulders. It's showing the other individual just how big they are. And generally after this, this, this form of behavior, they start. They, they'll... The one will kind of go get a little bit more intimidated and feel he's bigger than the other one. And off we go and they'll start mincing into each other. And um, basically what we saw after that was the one male start walking down. Now they had walked towards each other. So they were walking one east to west and the other west to east. And now the one male started walking slowly south. And the other male exactly in line with him also walking south and they walk growling the whole time growling 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 we started up our cars and started following again no no form of violence shown they weren't really even looking at each other every time one stopped the other one stopped kept going again going 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 for about 100 150 meters walking parallel to each other maybe 200 meters and then the one male peeled off back east and the other male peeled off back west. No fight, no violence, nothing. Which left me, from a behavioral point of view, mind blown. That's because they are they're territorial individuals. They don't like, other, males don't like other males in their territory. And they will fight and kill other males that come into their territory. And I was like, just mind blown. And I, 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 I actually spoke to one of my colleagues and said, well, guys, has anyone ever seen this before? And they were like, no. And a couple of the older guys that I spoke to a couple months later said, yes, we've seen it once or twice. And I said, what does it mean? And he's like, the only logical explanation to it was that was a territorial boundary. And yeah. they met at the territorial boundary. And it was kind of, because I did mention they had overlapping territories. But it was kind of a gray area of what we would classify as no man's land. It's like, this isn't really the heart of my territory. And the other males kind of like, this isn't really the heart of my territory. I don't really have anything at this far in my territory that's worth dying for. Mm. But I want to make my presence known. So I'm not going to leave unless the other guy leaves. So they walked parallel down, 
parallel with each other. And that, for me, was mind-blowing that they actually were like, right. Kind of like a gentleman's agreement. Almost. Kind of saying, I don't know if I can beat you in a fight. I can Mm. guarantee you, something that happened with the male, because they were also of similar ages, if something like that had happened with a younger male, and it happened with one of those guys, but the other leopard was a younger male, that other, that younger male would potentially be dead mm. because you would have been like, I can beat you. I'm yeah. going to assert dominance. Yeah. And right now it was kind of like, I don't know if I can win this fight. Mm. So I think let's forget that this meeting happened, didn't happen. No yeah. one's looking. Let's just quickly <laughs> not have to show our stuff. And they peeled off and it was, I'll never forget that moment. It, it's It's kind of like also... If I understand it right, you know, obviously leopards, because they're solitary animals, they try to avoid conflict as much as possible because if they get hurt, like even if they don't kill each other, but if they get really, really hurt, then they can't hunt and then they die. hundred percent. And uh, it's like with social, with social predators, hyena, lions, you know, they, they will be a lot more aggressive um, mm. because generally they have, if they get a scar that puts them out of action for a couple of days or a big scratch or a, um, they have the rest of the pride that would all they have to do is keep up with the clan or the pride and yeah. they'll be fine. Um, but a leopard, like you rightfully said, cannot afford injury. If a leopard gets injured, it dies. Mm. So, That's yeah. Horrible. But the most important question is, did you get photos? Um, I got an old, like, I think, <laughs> cell phone video. Oh. I've got like a, on like my Samsung... Seven plus or A plus or something. Remember oh, one breaks, of those tiny that those breaks tiny, yeah. that breaks my photography heart. <laughs> this was off. many years before. <laughs> um, so yeah, but it's actually interesting because I have, believe it or not, seen a similar interaction. I, I don't know if oh, I ever wow. told you about it. It wasn't this wasn't on my list, but I'll mention it quickly. But I've seen a similar interaction when the this was very early on when I first arrived to south africa the very first time i was in south africa and we heard leopard calling while we were having a braai at camp and we decided to go out and look for the for it and then all of a sudden we hear another leopard calling and we're like wait that was from a different direction than the first leopard Mm. Uh, and then this was so it was a similar situation where the leopards also were like walking parallel to each other and just like growling and call rasping and like you know mm. asserting dominance the difference was though and that's what doesn't it was an incredible sighting but it, course, it's not as course. insane but the difference was there was a fence in between the uh-huh. one the one property was fenced off from kruger and the other property was was open to kruger and if we all know a fence for a leopard isn't really a problem nah. but i from what I've understood, they kind of use that as an excuse as well because they didn't want to fight. But, yeah. but they want to assert that this is like... And a fence also makes a very natural border. So yeah, for like, sure. I'm sure that was for a territorial sure. But you're probably here. finding that both those individuals are going to both sides of that fence. It was, it's kind of like that buffer zone mm. between the territories, that no man's land kind of yeah. vibe where the territories do overlap. Yeah. Uh, because they do. Like, male leopards territories overlap female leopards territories overlap they do they they push boundaries Mm, that's very very interesting um but that was yeah that wasn't that wasn't my um that wasn't my my story that i was gonna tell um that was just an extra one for the (laughs) listeners (laughs) um the one i'm gonna tell i might be stealing this from your list now as well because we had this sighting together and it was very recently on a, a trip to kruger with a client when we got a call about a female cheetah with two yeah. cubs and we were 
further away from the starting than you we would wish we would have been uh, but we got this call and we really wanted to see cheetah we hadn't seen cheetah with this client and she was also really keen on, on seeing cheetah so we asked her we were like okay we are a little bit further away it means we're gonna have to drive for like half an hour without stopping for anything else uh, do you want us to go for it we can't guarantee that they're still gonna be there when we get there but you know do you want us to take this chance and she said yes i actually was against going because I didn't think we were going to make it. I thought they were going to yeah. move away before we got there. So I was actually against going and I was like, guys, it's not worth it. But I'm so glad that she said, because <laughs> that's the thing, like we, with a lot of our trips, what we will do is like, we will get this information and we will tell the clients about what's going on and let them make, help us make the decision. And we'll, we'll help them like give them the information so that, so that they can make an educated uh, decision. But at the end of the day, it's about their experience. So like whatever we want to do yeah. doesn't really matter, uh, but we can help them make a decision to get the best outcome. I, th I think to add on what you're saying is like the way we are with clients, we're all about transparency. Yes. Like I hate, I hate, sorry. I'm, no, no, go ahead. I'm, uh, I'm stealing your story. No, quickly. don't worry. Um, but one thing that we hate as Wildest Kruger Safaris is the lack of transparency. So whenever there's something out there on a safari, like there's so many people out there and so many lodges that hide stuff from their guests. Mm -hmm. So they're like, oh yeah, we want it to be a surprise. But because of how private our safaris are, we don't have multiple, we don't usually have multiple people together. But even if you do, regardless, you kind of always, again, guides out there, always set the platform for your guests so guys there's been a leopard in this area um uh, how are you guys feeling i think it's a good idea light's gonna be good and whatnot i don't like people being too surprised at what they see i like to to prep it obviously surprises when you're tracking because you never know when you're gonna find the thing but if you're heading to something that's already been fined you know i think i, I i'm not i'm not a fan of the surprises but I completely agree with you. I think also, uh, you know, we've been, because we've, we've also been on quite a few safaris with, like, privately, just, yeah. you know, ourselves. If it's if it's site inspections where we visit a lodge to, to see what it's like, or if it's when, uh, you know, we've gone on a private trip ourselves to, you know, whatever it might be for birthdays or whatever. Uh, we have experienced the guest side of safari as well a lot. And that is something that always frustrates me is, for example, like sometimes you'll be tracking something and like you and I will be able to see what we're tracking. We spot the tracks as well. Yeah. But then the guide doesn't communicate what they are looking for. And we're just stopping a lot. We're just watching and like looking at it on the ground and they, the tracker and the guide is talking to, with each other, whatever, but they never communicate to the guests and say like, Hey, these are fresh line tracks or whatever. And then all of a sudden, like nothing happens and, and we just drive away to something else. And you're like, Oh, but what happened to the line tracks? Yeah, and like just communicate with your guests. And obviously there are certain times where you don't want to say too much because you don't want to put the guests' hopes up and stuff. But at the same time, I think most guests appreciate when they are involved in the experience. For sure. And when it's like, okay, guys, I've heard on the radio that there's a lion sighting there, but the lions are quite far into the bush, so it's not the best visual. Let's see if we can find ours. But like, here's fresh tracks. What do you guys think? Should we find our own? Or like... Whatever it might be, you know, help the guests because at the end of the day, it's their experience and just help them get involved and feeling like they also have a bit of a control over 
what their experience will turn into if you know what i mean yeah and show them that you're also trying if like if they really want to see a leopard show them that you're trying to find leopard tracks for them and be like oh here is leopard tracks look at this this is what a leopard tracks look like but this is two days old so there's no point of us tracking it but you know, we know they're here but show them that you yeah. know and show them that you're trying because uh, i think that is that is one of the most important things but, but back to the story your story yes so we we told our our client the kind of uh the setting for the sighting and we said okay we don't know how great it's gonna be we don't know if they're gonna be there when we still get there do you still want to take the the chance and she said yes so we headed to the sighting we got there and it was way better than i ever could have expected yeah i thought they were further into the bush uh, and you know that they were kind of moving away into the bushes and that we were going to have a little bit of a glimpse of them but they were like right next to the road like two three meters off the road and and it was raining so they were like in the rain and they were shaking off the rain and they were they were licking each other and like what we call grooming each other and the cubs were way smaller than i thought they were and they were tiny small little things i don't know how do you think oh how old were they Oh, about eight weeks. Oh, they were tiny, two two cubs, and mommy, and they were like playing with each other, and you know we were there for we must have been there for at least an hour. You know, time flies. I, yeah, I hour, never hour have an and idea. Half, yeah, yeah, just with them, and and eventually we were like, oh no, they started moving. They started moving off. That's what eventually they did. That's happened. Why we left, yeah, yeah, and that's why we decided to leave. But it was one of the the most m- magical sightings, absolutely magical sightings that I have ever. And photographic as well, like super, super photographic. Super photographic, yeah, and yeah, and I, I know our client got such such amazing shots as well, and that's that's the most important thing. So, yeah, it was it was truly, truly special. So that's that's one for to remember for sure. Mm. What about what about you? What's how can you top that one? <laughs> um, More I, leopards. I think always, <laughs> always leopards. Leopards are the most fascinating creatures to me. They're obviously my favorite animal and. Um, in case anyone had missed that yeah anyone missed that like that was they most of my that I see is fascinating I'm not the guy that only goes out to look for leopards but I you kind of do I am always looking for leopards I think the thing is if you if you constantly looking for leopards you will find you other find things other as things. well yeah, yeah, and we course. obviously appreciate other things but like no of course but you know. I just think like leopard behavior is so fascinating um solitary solitary animal behavior is so fascinating because they 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 do things that don't that 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 are very different to uh, to social to social animals and Mm. how they interact and yeah it's 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 amazing um another one again leopard (laughs) (laughs) but um it was um this was at thorny bush game reserve and um we had there were three leopards in one sighting, uh, two females and one male. And they were, both females were mating with this male and were tolerating what? each other. Yeah, I know. Crazy. So, and here's the catch. So I'm going to set the scene for you. One dominant male, two females, both females didn't dominate the territory that they were mating this male in. What? So they were in a third female. They were in a third female's territory. But okay, so I think what you need to just explain to the to the listeners now is mm. that like female territories. Okay, correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, go female ahead. Female territories are 
usually smaller than males. Yeah. And they will significantly. And then a male, a male's territory will cover like three or four or even more females. Yeah, depending on how dominant he is. So it's not like a male has a territory and then next to it will be a female and next to that no, is a male. No, 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 no. It's no, like no. okay, the the females have their territories and then the males have theirs that overlap. Yeah. So the male has like a, a big, if you think about a circle, mm. the male's territory is like a big circle and within the males and like the, the, a territory is not always shaped by a circle. No, obviously Just not. So people must understand yeah. that it's not always a circle. It's, it's, uh, Sometimes they do affected, triangles. Yeah, it's affected by, <laughs> by the infrastructure and the layout of the land and there's so many other leopards territories so many different contributing it's like factors. a it's like a big blob exactly of, of exactly yeah. like territories can be the weirdest shapes. kind of shapes um but say for instance let's use the most basic shape say for instance it's a circle and um within that circle of a male there are multiple smaller circles in that circle and those smaller circles represent the females territories mm. that's kind of a a very brief and bad example of leopard territory. It's obviously more complex than that. Yes, but just to give so people an more, idea. Because yeah, it's not the point of the story. No, because because why I, why I wanted to, to clarify that is yeah. that so that people don't get confused and it's like, oh, why were they not in the male's territory? Because they're they in, were, the they were in the male's territory as well. Territory. So yeah. this male, this in particular male, actually was the dominant male over all three females. Yeah. So um, basically what had happened was... We got there, male, two females, um, one dominant male, two females in a third female's territory. The third female was not present um, at the time. And what was fascinating was these female leopards would take turns with mating with this male. Oh, my word. So this male would lie there. And obviously, if if anyone doesn't understand how... Leopard mating, because it's a really special, uh, like, happening, sighting. You don't really see it too often. Um, How it works is the female does all work. So the male just lies there. And because the female's in estrus, she wants to conceive. So Mm. she's, like, she's ovulating. So she wants, she wants this, this baby. So she does all the work. Male just lies there. And then the female comes and flirts with him, is what we call it. And basically rubs her, rubs her bum over his face and his neck. And then she, he eventually mounts her and then mates with her. Uh, and this was happening constantly. So basically the one female would mate with this male. Then as she was done, cause it's a very quick affair, 10, 15 seconds. Um, the next female would come and then they would all lie. The one female would lie 10 meters away from the male on the left. And the other female would lie like 10 meters away from the male on the right. And these females would constantly be growling at each other, <laughs> but not fighting and respecting the space. And again, fascinated me as to what, why solitary animals, mm. why are they not fighting? They territorial. And, um, we, uh, my tracker said that's South Dam female. That's Makepi's female. This is the Seca female's territory. Oh, wow. And, um, obviously on closer look, cause it was, Everything was chaos. Hard to get identification on them. And we did. We eventually, what after the being half, Malawan male. Okay. Um, after being in the sighting for um, about half an hour, we figured out who everyone was. Because it was fascinating. Because originally we did think it was the Saseka female. But then. Naturally, because it's her territory. It's naturally, yeah. You know the area, you know yeah. their territories. And you're like, this, one of them has to be Saseka. Because they were constantly moving away. It was difficult. Um, it was difficult. And then we finally got ID. It was a South Dam female. Um, Makepi's female and 
in the Saka female's territory. And that, again, is why they, they were weren't to. fighting. Because mm. they had nothing to fight for. They both wanted to conceive. They both needed a male. Obviously, we're both struggling to find a male. Because Malawan male is an incredibly dominant male leopard. And he, like, chases or kills any other male that he picks up a scent on. Um, so, they found him probably over a similar time frame, obviously. And mm. they just proceeded to mate with him for... I think it was two days, both of them, just alternating. And then eventually just all three of them parted ways, gone. And um, yeah, that was just mind-blowing. Another mind-blowing sighting. Imagine being Siseka and realizing there's been this big party going on in your house and you weren't there. Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) what what it is. It's like, and I'm sure she, once she kind of passed through again, but actually it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, just throwing another spanner in this whole um, system. It, it wouldn't surprise me if Saseka was purposefully avoiding that area because she actually had a cub at that stage. Uh, During that time, she had a cub. So that would make so sense. So I think she, perp- like, e- even if she did hear the commotion, she would have purposefully avoided it mm, because she had a cub. The yeah, yeah, because yeah. There's, a, there's a female that would have killed her cub. There's, okay, the male is the father, that's fine. But mm. there's two females that potentially would have killed that her yeah. cub so she was probably avoiding um that area as a whole mm. that's very very interesting mm. it's fascinating hey like i think all the things that that we see and you know you see a lot of crazy stuff on social media get posted as well and like there's just mind-blowing stories out there and then we often say like imagine imagine the stuff that happens when we're not there. Yeah. If these are the things that happens when we're there. Exactly. Imagine what happens when we're not there. Yeah. It's just, that's the wild thing with nature. Just the craziest things can happen. And, and like we often say, you know, the animals don't read the science, science books and behavior books. So they sometimes do stuff that we don't expect. And yeah, you know, situations occur that we never could have predicted. And it's just super interesting how there's always something new. For example, again, leopards. His books say, like, the male plays no role in raising the cubs. I've literally seen a male leopard with a a eight, nine, ten-week-old cub grooming the cub. That's crazy. In a sighting. Female had killed an impala, hoisted uh, hoisted the impala, had two eight, nine, ten-week-old cubs around that, that age. Um, and they were, and the male found that happened to be the father and he was grooming his cubs, which is, look, it's rare. People don't see that, but it happens. Mm. It's absolutely crazy. But, uh, I think those, I have a few more stories. Yeah, so absolutely. maybe we'll do a part two at some if point. If people want a part two, pop us a message. Let us know. Uh, and then I think this is going to be the last uh, episode for, before like Christmas and the holiday season. And then I'm thinking, just putting it out there, um, I'm thinking to start off the new year with a Q&A uh, because that was really appreciated last time we did that. So I'm going to put up a like question box on, on my Instagram, Wallace Kruger, on Craig's Instagram. Uh, and if you guys think about any questions now already, please message us and be we'll like, oh, them down. you know, please take this, like include this question in the Q and A or whatever. Uh, we love, we love receiving questions from you guys and it gives us such a great idea of like what you guys want to hear on the podcast. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, so, you know, if there's any questions about these sightings that we've spoken to, uh, spoken about or anything else, uh, please do do message us. And then I think we will do a Q and A podcast in the beginning of the new year. Uh, and I hope you guys will enjoy that. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, um, have a great festive season. 
good holiday season. Yes. And we'll see you next year. We'll see you next year. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.